Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing great today. Thrilled to be with you on this Monday as we recap the football weekend. It's the fall. Made a trip to the pumpkin patch. May get into that in just a little bit. My Carolina Panthers took on Luke's Cowboys, so we will hear from Luke in just a moment. But we're here for the next hour to unpack faith, sports, and life with you, our Unpacking It community of sports fans, and we are so thankful for you. Uh, Thank you to all of you that listen to the podcast, that stream this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, we, We appreciate all of you, and if you haven't, Uh, subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, be sure to do that. You can also subscribe to the podcast uh, in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else uh, you find podcasts. And we we also do guest interviews uh, as well. Uh, So if you catch us live on a Monday, we're we're talking sports and and having fun back and forth. Uh, Then also throughout the week, we'll we'll interview different athletes and coaches and, and talk sports, faith, and life with them as well. And, and so uh, last week I, I interviewed Danny Warfel, former Heisman Trophy winner. He was awesome. So, uh, so go check that out. We, we got into a really good conversation, just a, a real encouragement uh, to me as my microphone <laughs> just explodes. Um, but, man, I, like I hung on. I hung on, Luke. We, we may, it may have, it may have shot right up, but we're good. You're, there you are. Um, so, <laughs> wow, what a day it's been. So Facebook wasn't working. Uh, you know, now I'm holding my microphone as uh, it. Totally <laughs> it's a off. it's a handheld now. It it's is a handheld. A handheld, and you know what? I this 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 piece then flew across the desk. So we're I'm in trouble here. This is <laughs> this is going to be a challenge. So, no uh, intern, no interns to save the day. It's no longer summer. True. Last time you're right. The last time I had a big debacle here in the studio, the interns rallied. Uh, but but I am solo here in the office today. All right, so. Uh, we, we do have so much to get to because a lot of upsets over the weekend, mainly in college, but, but somewhat in the NFL. I still can't believe the Jets won a game this year. Uh, so that was shocking. So we'll do I'm convinced uh, in a moment. Uh, but, but, Luke, before we uh, get into all the stories, hey, our two teams faced each other. And we did. I did go in with low expectations. Not, I, I just tried to be pretty realistic about this Panthers team to where I like Matt Rule. I love that the Panthers went after Sam Darnold. I, I thought, hey, it was worth a flyer. Let's bring him in. But he's exceeded expectations. But, but even that, I thought for, through, through the first three games, you know what? I, I haven't seen the Panthers beat anybody real legit. And I, I think the Cowboys, especially their offense, uh, was unbelievable kind of going into the game, coming off that Monday night game against Philadelphia. It's like, wow. So I wanted to see how the Panthers' defense was going to do against them. And I thought – the Defense was okay, but but missing J.C. Horn, top pick, you felt that. And then I just think Dallas, being at home, 
being uh, as legit as they are with guys that have been there and, and uh, the, the chemistry that's there, they're further along than where the Panthers are at in yeah. kind of you know week number four for Sam mm-hmm. Darnold. So overall, I'm very positive and encouraged by the way the Panthers played. But shout out to you and your Cowboys. They got the victory. I hate losing to the Cowboys, but I, uh, I wasn't too surprised by the, the end result. I was, I was nervous. <clears throat> First half, down 14 to 13. Here's the thing. Thank goodness there was no Christian McCaffrey. I would never wish ill will to another player. But CMC is just a game changer. And with no McCaffrey, Darnold is the guy. Darnold's running. He's making plays with his feet. He doesn't seem to have a consistent connection with any particular receiver yet. But the Carolina defense defense was giving us fits. It was... I, I was nervous about the second half. If the Cowboys didn't come out and make a statement, I was thinking the momentum is is Carolina's for the second half. But it's the Cowboys look really good. The offense, especially with Zeke rolling and then Pollard, all always rolling, always right. we're, we're both team Pollard. we're both team both team Pollard. But the dynamics the 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 offense is lethal. You have an offensive line that's. Do in maintaining average play, Dak is just awesome, so awesome. You have Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and then Cedric Wilson, who's a great wide receiver three. And then the defense is leading the NFL in takeaways. I cannot remember the last time that I, I don't know if that's happened in my lifetime. The, my entire existence as a Cowboys fan is okay. We got a good offense but we need a, a better defense. We can't win with our defense. And now we're leading the league in takeaways. It, yeah, this and, Cowboys team looks really, really good. And Darnold has done a great job throughout the season holding on to the ball and not turning the ball over. And, and so to have you know those two, two turnovers for him uh, was disappointing. But, but here, here was the positive aspect. The Panthers bounced back after getting down that game looked like it oh. was slipping away it was yeah. getting out of hand it was getting ugly it was like uh oh here we go yet the panthers remained calm and sam darnold wasn't rattled and and that to me despite the loss that showed me a lot and that actually yep. convinced me even more than than what i saw against you know a team like the texans like i couldn't look too much into that that mm-hmm. win because the texans are not very good but but to go up against dallas at home and you get down, you know, throw a couple turnovers, which, which happens to quarterbacks. I'm, I'm not always, you know, turnovers aren't always the worst, or interceptions in particular aren't always the worst thing. Brett Favre, yeah. you know, talks about, <laughs> you can talk Certainly. about Brett Favre with that. So, but, but is it a, you know, are you still making throws and moving the ball down the field? That's the key. So, Darnold, to be able to do that after getting down and then scoring again, and then his ability to run shows a lot too. So, yeah. well, anyway, I think the Panthers are in the mix in the for for a playoff spot i think they're that type of team um but cmc he's he's the difference maker like he's he's the one that he causes the defense to pay so much attention to whereas yeah. chuba hubbard i think is a nice runner but he's not making the defense sweat or worry or you know over yeah. overly uh scheme against and and so he played he played well he had a nice game darnell was the best yeah. runner but he played well so yeah, it's not an indictment on chuba hubbard it's just no how great McCaffrey is. Because, again, you're right. He 
<laughs> McCaffrey in any given Sunday could be the best receiver on the Panthers yep. and always going to be the best runner. So it's completely dynamic. Now, I think the Panthers could be a potentially scary wildcard team with how good their defense is. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a good healthy. defense, and I am Team Darnold. I mean, let me get that. I am very much Team Darnold. I think he is definitely good enough. But going into this season, we said, okay, good trade for Darnold. Can you build a good team around him? You have a good defense. And when healthy, you have more than enough. You're very capable, outside of McCaffrey, weapons. Yeah. So can you protect him? You've got a good defense. So you don't need Darnold to be an absolute superstar. You don't need him to be like an Aaron Rodgers or anything like that. He's more than good enough. So, but anyway, let, let's just get, also get this out there. Our friendship was not on the line. No. Someone asked you, are we making bets? We did not make a bet. Uh, maybe we should start because I would have been a happy man. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know when I stopped betting, but it was, it's been a while. I don't, I don't bet on the Panthers. And <laughs> as, as much as everybody else now, betting is the biggest thing in the world. I'm not one of those people. So, uh, sorry. And even the friendly wagers when my, my team's, play against yeah. uh my buddies or whatever i better be overly confident even for a friendly wager uh but but yeah like i said yesterday i, I was like nah, I'm, not, I'm not confident enough in the panthers to start uh you know betting that, that you you get to pick the uh the first segment of the show or something i don't know what what the that's right been, that's but, right uh, <laughs> but you brought up what were the cowboys doing letting the panthers yeah. come back no nothing it's the panthers they had to make plays they had to score but you're up three score. Yeah. You're up three scores, taking digs out of the game. He looks healthy. I think there's potentially a cover up with. Now they're saying his he had a back injury early in the game. I was like, eh, I don't know that. He had two picks after that. You're taking him out of the game. I don't know if <clears throat> if Dallas doesn't convert that third down at the end with the the handoff to Zeke and, and pitch to Pollard. Carolina's got the ball to tie the game. Yeah. I don't know. It was. I'm sitting on the couch thinking, "Are we serious?" Literally five minutes of game time ago, it thought game over, and now it's a one score game. I had already conceded to you, and I got one other buddy. I already got the text. I already got the white flag text. Yep, I sent it. Sent it to both of you, and uh, (laughs) and then all of a sudden I go, "Ooh, all right, let's make it interesting." So one funny thing about the game. So my my daughter Maddie came down at one point to, to watch the game, and so she she looked at the screen, and it was your fearless leader mike mccarthy and and this was maddie's comment she goes what's that funny guy (laughs) (laughs) what's that funny guy i had to explain though that's 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 mike mccarthy that's our leader what am i missing something with the with the the sweatshirts what are the colors i I didn't get that there was other people on the sideline wearing that as well it looked like sprinkles it looked like their their sweatshirt was covered in sprinkles so I think Maddie was thrown off maybe by that. What's that funny guy? So, yeah, yeah tough go. look, you... really tough look. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, it was, it was it was a good win for them. Um, and so we'll we'll get into some of the other NFL topics and some of the other uh, scores and outcomes and storylines and headlines and what what we take away uh, in just a little bit. But but before we jump in, let me ask you this: Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Health Market Genius. Dot com support them as they support us and let's begin with i'm convinced and and i've got a few for us today 
just a, a couple uh, nuggets from from yesterday in particular. And and the first one, I'm convinced Andy Reid is gaining some momentum as as being uh, legitimized as a head coach. But I'm convinced the Philadelphia Eagles had no idea how good of a coach they had for all those years, how consistent they were. Because yesterday the Eagles and the Chiefs played against each other, which was interesting with Reed going back against his former team. And then he becomes the first coach to win 100 games with two different franchises. Unreal. That is remarkable. Truly remarkable. And, and so, you know, the idea that a, that that good of a coach would go to another franchise is just so so rare. And so I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, who else coached somewhere else? Your boy Jimmy Johnson went down and, and coached Miami. Um, and then I, But after that, it's like Mike Ditka coached the Saints. Uh, but but who else was he like? Who else can even get to that point where where Par- you would leave somewhere? Dick Vermeil was a pretty good coach, but for pa- yeah, teams. Parcells spent Parcells, time in different places. Sure. But the longevity, sure. the longevity yeah. wasn't there though. His like his stint in Dallas was not very long at all. No, that's a good one too. So but but yeah, so that's a that's a wonderful uh, accomplishment for for Reed, and he just deserves some love. And then the other thing that was unique about that game. Uh, Jason Kelsey versus Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So as someone who's a, a brother, uh, I'm always drawn to the, the brotherly stories. But, but then I started thinking, man, I'm convinced it's so difficult to get to the NFL and to think that two people or sometimes three people from the same family can make it to the NFL yeah. is absolutely unbelievable. And, and you, you even think about like from a small town, even think for a city to have you know a couple people that make it to a professional level, let alone a, a, a family nucleus. Are yep. you kidding me? I, I, I you know, you, you just, I, so I looked it up. There's like 30 different uh, duos or brothers. And I think some of those are coaches like Rex and Rob Ryan and uh, those kinds of things. But of course the Manny brothers and uh, the McCordy twins, which is pretty cool to have twins, um, the Griffin brothers. And so uh, a bunch of different ones. The, well, the, uh, the coolest McCown, one, the Josh coolest one is is the Long brothers. Yes, Chris yes. Long and Jake Kyle Long. Long. Yeah, Kyle. But what's cool about them going against each other in play, one's True. blocking the other because like Peyton and Eli technically played against each other, but they weren't actually on the field at the same time. That's right. Chris and Kyle Long were going at it at the line of scrimmage. How cool is that? Yes, that is cool. So yesterday, Travis Kelsey and the Chiefs got the win. Uh, so so good for him. Um, and then here's something else I'm convinced of. The I watched the red zone on Sunday. So I kept an eye on the Panthers-Cowboys game, of course, on one TV. And then I'm watching the red zone. And every week at about 3.30, our buddy Scott Hansen, former guest on the show, comes on and says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, it is the witching hour where losses become wins and mm. wins become losses. And I get very giddy. It's very exciting. And... The witching hour for the Red Zone channel is awesome. However, that witching hour, I'm convinced, takes on a whole nother meaning when you have a six or six or seven week old baby at home. So mm-hmm. that witching hour in the Johnson household is about six to seven thirty. Not the same excitement. Not the same excitement. <laughs> So Scott comes on with the witching hour, and I'm all excited. And then a few hours later, I'm in the trenches with some major crying, some major happiness, <laughs> and it is truly the witching hour in the Johnson household. So I don't know how both of those names 
are, are used to indicate both of those. But I'm convinced it's Scott might have to come up with something else or we need a new kind of term for the baby hour where they're baby uh, hour. where they can't be pleased. Uh, it's very challenging. So little Michaela is uh, she's been uh, giving us a tough time, tough time in the witching hour. So, uh, so that hit me, <laughs> that, that, that hit me there. Uh, Scott Hansen. Um, and then two, two more. I, I'm convinced I'm loaded up today. Um, the, uh, the 49ers, even though they lost yesterday, they started the season with 12 touchdowns to 12 different players. And so, wow. again, I just another one of these things I'm just like blown away by to have 12 guys that can actually get into the end zone. But that to even happen throughout the season, I think is pretty legit. But to happen for your first 12 touchdowns uh, to, to have that, 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 you know, spread the offense, pretty cool. Uh, then last one. So the Jets get the win, which I'm convinced is the, you know, the biggest upset of the day. I'm convinced I'm very worried about the Titans. And I'm also convinced that I finally figured out who Zach Wilson reminded me of. It's like, man, this guy, what's his look? What's he all about? It's Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I, I'm a little late to this because I Googled it. And I was like, oh, did other people, other people have noticed this, but I, it was driving me nuts. I'm like, who does this guy look like? It's hmm. Nick Carter. That's right. So uh, you, were pro- you, weren't, you weren't around when the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC were at their height, but I was, I was in about fifth grade when the Backstreet Ooh. Boys came onto the scene. And I hate to admit, at one point, I remember playing basketball listening to the Backstreet Boys on a CD player. And that doesn't seem that up at this point, but that was, that was how it all began. That was my first, uh, first taste of the Backstreet Boys. But, uh, so when, but anyway. uh, when did that overlap with when, when did your metal music, uh, heavy metal music phase begin? High school, probably. Uh, okay. High school. Okay. Yeah. So that, I, tra- I was definitely, uh, yeah, against the Backstreet Boys, but now I've kind of come back around to appreciate. So when that when vintage, they, vintage, yeah, when they come on, it's hard not to get excited. Yeah. You know, I want it that way. So uh, but now that now Nick Carter is playing for the New York Jets and they somehow pulled out a win yesterday. Just mm. yeah, that, that that game was frustrating. I was watching that one because I have Ryan Tannehill in fantasy. Very frustrating. But the Jets, hey, they're not very good. They don't have many good players. But <laughs> Zach Wilson got it done. All right, there you go. That's what I'm convinced of this week. What are you convinced of, Luke? Oh, I've got so many. I've got so many ways I can what routes I can go with this. The first thing I can think of is I'm convinced we should never, ever again doubt Aaron Rodgers. Never <laughs> again. Uh, it, now it's just laughable. First game of the season, all the offseason controversy, yep. lays an absolute egg. Looks like he doesn't care. Post-game press conference, it's concerning. Now, what does he do? He shows that if you give him even 30 seconds of time, He'll go out against the Niners. Yeah, we're going to win. I, all I need is 30 seconds. He's done that on so many occasions. And the Packers look, I mean, after game one, it's a complete 180. Oh, yeah. And it's because Aaron Rodgers, he's still the absolute man. He's still got it. Coming off MVP season, why do we ever doubt him? If Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, your team has a chance. He, unlike Big Ben in, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> Now, Big Ben's not carrying the team, but the team's kind of carrying him. Aaron Rodgers seems like it doesn't matter the circumstances. He can carry any team he wants. His ability to roll out of the pocket, the throws he makes. Again, you give him 30 seconds, he can get a field goal in 30 seconds. It's The throws he made against the Niners last week 
to get into field goal range. If I was a Niners fan, I would be sick to my stomach. It, those those throws are impossible. So that's what I'm I'm convinced of today is we should never ever doubt Aaron Rodgers again. All right, so here's my uh, counter to that. I guess 2011 was said yesterday because that was the first. That was, this was the first game between the Steelers and Packers since that Super Bowl that the Packers beat the Steelers and let that set in. That was 10 years ago. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been back to a Super Bowl. And I so in many ways, I agree with everything you were just saying. It's like, oh, you make all these throws, you can carry a team. But the fact that he hasn't been back uh, is er, to win is just crazy. That he hasn't won crazy. the Super Bowl since 2011. Um, I, just, I just can't believe it. I, I really can't. So that, for him yeah. to have one on his resume for as good as he, he is – um, he's got to do it. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm convinced they, they've got to win. They've got to do it. To have somebody as talented as Rodgers, you got to win more than one Super Bowl. You and, really and do. And I think that <clears> – so I, I wouldn't – I don't think that goes against Aaron Rodgers. I think that's just evidence how hard it is to win a Super Bowl. That's fair. And we've that's, talked about – because Aaron, when I say never doubt Aaron Rodgers is that they're going to be in the mix. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you're going to be in the mix. Whereas a guy like Sam Darnold, you really got to put some serious effort into building up all the phases of your football team. Aaron Rodgers at the helm, you're going to be able to score points. You're going to be able to come from behind. He's going to keep you in the mix of things. But to win a Super Bowl is so, so difficult. You have to have a good defense. You have to have good weapons. Think of all the great quarterbacks who just won Super Bowl. Drew yeah. Brees. Oh. Oh, yeah. Russell Russell Wilson. And we talked about this before. People said after Mahomes won his Super Bowl. That's right. I was going to say that. Oh, yeah. He's coming for Brady's record. He's going to get six. <laughs> He's going to get seven. I'm taking – I might take the under at three or two and a half. To, to think that just because you have a great quarterback, you're going to win the Super Bowl. Historically, that's just not even close to being the case. It's and then it gives credit to to Brady and what he did. And so exactly. we'll get into the the Brady uh, win last night, which wasn't surprise <laughs> surprising with the way that 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 kind of finished uh, them hanging on. But Ooh, we got uh, a, we got a Cowboys fan here. Uh-oh. He's convinced Something out of the woodwork. NFC top two Arizona and Dallas. Arizona one, Dallas two. I've got a stat I would like to read about Arizona, so I can get your take. Maybe we should be convinced that the Cardinals are going to the Super Bowl. So Ooh. Gil Brandt tweeted, the Cardinals are the fourth team since the 1970 merger to start 4-0 with 30-plus points and 400 total yards in each game. Each of the previous three teams' quarterbacks won MVP and made the Super Bowl that season. So are you convinced that the Cardinals to the Super Bowl is officially confirmed? Oof, man. So I will be one of the last to jump on the Arizona bandwagon. However, I do have to acknowledge that Kyler Murray is way better than I anticipated he would be. And Kingsbury, and, too. And Kingsbury, Kingsbury too. too. I was a, a doubter of both of those guys. Just, I just didn't see it. I, I, it just didn't add up to me that, that Murray was going to be this unbelievable quarterback. I didn't see how that would translate. I didn't think his personality would translate. Uh, the whole back and forth with baseball and football. And then with Kingsbury, he's like, he wasn't even a successful college coach, so what, what are we doing here? Uh, but it, it's working through four weeks. There's no denying it. There's, they're playing as well as any team in the league. They, that was an impressive win against they the Rams. rushed the Rams. A, a, band, a bandwagon that I, that I will continue to ride. I'm still on the Rams bandwagon, but they did not play well yesterday. 
and, and Arizona made it tough on them. And J.J. Watt, you know, some may argue he's overrated, but man, that guy, he's made <laughs> yeah. a difference on that defense. Unreal. Um, and they've got, they've got multiple weapons. Chandler Jones on defense. Um, so How about that? Remember when J.J. Watt signed with the Cardinals? And yeah, we, kind of a lot of people were thinking, oh, the Cardinals. Yeah. Of all Go places. Go to the Super Bowl somewhere. Yeah. Go we'll play right. with your brother in Pittsburgh. That's what I was <laughs> exactly. Everyone yeah. was thinking, yes, go to Green Bay to yep. be oh, home yeah. or go yeah. to Pittsburgh. That's right. He's, and yep. he goes to Arizona. But hey, he was on to something. He was. Absolutely. Uh so I'm I'm, uh, I'm I don't know what to say about Arizona because they are <laughs> they're the real deal right now. But I'm I'm not I'm not willing to say, oh, they're my favorite to win the Super Bowl. I, I can't go there yet. All right, let's get into Unpack This. So each week on the show, we take a current sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives. And I, I want to take a look at some of the upsets from the weekend. And, and first, I'll acknowledge a few of the upsets that don't necessarily translate to the topic. But uh, the idea that Luke's team, Texas A&M, 15th in the country, lost to Mississippi State. So one of the upsets. Yeah. Uh, Arizona State, Herm Edwards, former guest on Unpacking It. They, they, they got the win over UCLA, Hawaii over uh, number 18, Fresno State. And then uh, Cincinnati, even though they were ranked higher than Notre Dame, to me, that's still an upset. For Cincinnati to beat Notre Dame, are you kidding me? Um, yeah, yeah. So I that, thought that was, that was an impressive win for them. But here, here are the games I, I do want to talk about. Because in, in football, you know, there's this understanding that if you have more total yards than the other team, you're probably going to win, right? Like that's that you look at the stats. If you look at the box score, you're like, Oh, who had more total yards rushing the ball, passing the ball. Okay, great. They, they moved the ball. They, they won the game, but guess what? There are often times where you look at the score uh, the, at the, the stat sheet and there are hollow stats or empty numbers mm-hmm. that a team compiles that ultimately those yards didn't lead to touchdowns and ultimately the win. So they're gaining yards, but they're not winning. All right. So San Francisco, huge day, racking up yards. However, they lost 21 to 28 to Seattle, even though they had 457 total yards to the Seahawks, 234. Mm. Remarkable. All right. In college football, Oregon, they were ranked third in the country. They lost to Stanford in overtime Saturday night. Oregon had 414 yards and Stanford had 354, but it wasn't enough for, for Oregon to get the win. Yep. Sunday, the Titans, who let me down in overtime, 27-24. And they gained, the Titans, 430 total yards to the Jets, 355. But then here's the key one. The rushing yards, 177 to 66. And Derrick Henry, of course, was the majority. Most of of the time, that that, that is the game right there. Yeah, that's it. 177 to 66 on the ground? Wow. And then how about this? Here's the the one we'll, uh, we'll focus on. 10th-ranked Florida Gators. They lost for only the second time in 35 <laughs> matchups against Kentucky, and they lost 13-20. to 20. And Dan Mullen, head coach of Florida, after the game, he was asked uh, how the, about kind of how the offense seemed to sputter and if he thought that he was outcoached by Kentucky's Mark Stoops. And so his response, uh, he focused on total yards, and he sarcastically responded no to the question. 382 yards. I guess that's sputtering. We had 382 and they had 211 yards. So I wouldn't think that that would be the case. 
about being outcoached. And so here mm-hmm. he is focusing on total yards, whereas what was the score? 13 to 20. You lost, Dan Mullen. That's you right. lost the game, right? You lost. So coaches can talk all night about having more yards than the other team, but what's the goal? To have more points. And so the focus should be on winning the game instead of empty stats that resulted in a loss. Oftentimes in life, we get caught up in accumulating total yards. All right. We brag about how many yards we've gained, or we believe that a good day is racking up a ton of yards. And so in other words, that, you know, this can mean that our, our lives appear impressive on the stat sheet because of success, wealth, intelligence, popularity, power, pleasure. But in reality, these turn out to be empty stats and hollow numbers that don't ultimately matter and can never be enough to give hmm. us lasting victory. And so maybe I've heard this verse before, a common verse in Matthew. It says, uh, what profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose eternal life? What can be compared with the value of eternal life? Uh, the New Living Translation says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And, and so we could talk about impressive stats all night in life and, and talk yeah. about our successes and all that sort of thing. But the point of this life is to know God and to place our faith in Jesus so that we can experience true victory both now and for eternity. Mm-hmm. And, and so John says, and this is the way to have eternal life, by knowing you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And, and so Paul, we, you know, we hear about Paul. He wrote a lot of the New Testament. You know, he had this, this, this strong resume, right? And, and a lot of it yeah. was on total yards. But, but he, he realized eventually that those were empty stats uh, once he met Jesus. And, and he put it this way. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because, what, because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Mm. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. And so today, the encouragement for all of us is not to be consumed with accumulating worthless quote-unquote, yards or gaining the world. Success, fame, money, power, pleasure. But we must remember that true winning is placing our faith in Jesus and knowing God intimately. And, and so that's the, that's the message for us today. And, you know, it's, it, it's funny when, when you, you, you think, oh, man, you know, this guy had all these great yards and, oh, you look at the total yards and it's impressive, but, man, you lost the game. And the, and the point was to win the game. And the fact that, so Dan Mullen with Florida got criticized by fans, of course, and for, for that to be his comment afterward, like to, to focus on the total yards. It's like, yeah, okay, great. Yeah, not, 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 not so good. And the other thing about Dan Mullen, he, he walked off the field smiling, uh, which was interesting. So uh, fans don't like to see their coach smiling after, after a loss either. But uh, that might be a whole nother devotional. It's a separate, separate topic. But, um, but anyway, that's the... Uh, that's the message for, for you to unpack today. Uh, you can receive the unpack this email in your devotional. Uh, make sure you subscribe to that on unpackingit.com. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts uh, as well. Uh, Luke, if you want to jump in uh, on this topic, uh, anything else you'd like to unpack? Yeah, it's, uh, 
it really just comes down to simple economics. What are you going to invest in? Something Good. eternal or something fleeting? Yeah. Now, and, and it's so it's it's such a cliche now on okay, like oh you can gain the whole world, lose your soul. Oh, you want to invest in something eternal, get great returns. But think about it. This life is so short. You're going to use it to fellowship. Like you could use it to fellowship with the one who created you, the one who loves you, the one who redeemed you, the one who sent his son to die for you. Or you could pursue selfishness. And then think about what does pursuing selfishness really mean? Because certainly we all fall short, and we're never going to be perfect, even when, even if we're followers of Jesus. But if you pursue a life of selfishness, what does it say about how much you actually love God? we got to really be honest with ourselves and see it is so worth it. The intimacy, the fellowship with God, that is what we, that is what we are created for. God created us to be fulfilled and satisfied, satisfied by fellowshipping with Him, by bringing Him glory. He, the call to, to bring God glory, to serve God, is not a burden. God didn't say, okay, well, I know it's hard. I know uh, it doesn't fulfill you, but I want you to serve me. No, it's not that. It's I created you knowing that fellowshipping with me will bring you the greatest fulfillment. Mm. So we need to take God at his word and also be honest with it's hard sometimes, many times. It's okay to ask God, God, give me the grace I need to choose you. Give me the gra- give me grace so that I can say no to selfish desires and say yes to you on a daily basis. Mm. And it's also important, we've talked about remembering the past in regards to remember the past so you can remember God's faithfulness. When things get hard, remember the past. Don't remember the past in regards to fixating on your sin uh, and being defined by that. But also, you can look to the past to, re- to remember, okay, I did chase things of the world, mm. and it did not leave me satisfied. You and I both could think of numerous times, perhaps many times, where we chose to pursue things of the world on grand scales or small scales. I know I can. There's plenty of times where I've chased things of the world, and it never fulfilled me. It only led to pain it led to fear. It led to worry. But when I have cho- when I have chosen fellowship and intimacy with God through His grace, through the help of fellow believers, through instruction from His Word, it leads to true satisfaction because that's what we are created for. Amen. Amen. And and I think uh, I guess the the challenge for us is that it, it's so easy to get even excited or caught up in the total yards of life and whether that's our, you know, the bank account or the, the titles or the, even like the number of kids you have, like there's a lot of things that, that, that are, they're not even bad. They're not bad things like total yards. You want, you want good yards, right? You want, in order yeah. to win a game, you're most likely going to have to, you know, run the ball well and get some, some yards and all that. And so the, the life of, of faith oftentimes does result in wonderful blessings that, that we experience um, that, that may fall into the category of uh, some level of success or whatever. So sometimes that's the case and that, that, that's part of it. But if that's what we're chasing and that's what our main focus is, then we're missing it. And so at the end of yes. the game, if you're thinking about all the total yards, it's like, no, 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 you, you lost the game. 
And so that's the point. So if we gain the whole world, yet we lose our soul, and we don't have eternal life, we've lost. If we don't lost. know Jesus, we've lost. Yeah. So so all of that stuff, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. Now, if some of that happens as we follow Jesus, okay, that's fine. But if but it's a secondary thing. Those are all secondary desires and um yeah uh, sometimes and it's it, okay. and it's hard it, it it's not as simple like on paper it's as simple as okay don't pursue the world but then when you live your daily life and you realize how tempting it is to pursue the world because the reality of following Jesus is and sometimes it's hard to see this in living in the United States which is filled with luxury and opportunities in wealth compared to many other parts of the world. It's hard to see this, but the reality of following Christ is a life of suffering. Mm. Historically, whether, and you can define it, whether, whether it's physical suffering, emotional, uh, whatever, it looks all sorts of ways, but the reality of following Christ is it's hard. The world, people rejected Jesus. We are united with Christ. We are going to be rejected. And ultimate glory and satisfaction comes when we die and then move into eternal life with God. So it's really tempting to try to chase total yards because, hey, you only live once. It's mm. I'm not getting I'm not really uh, getting all this glory right now following Christ. Well, I'm going to chase the world. Mm. No, it's it, you're missing out. You're missing out on what it, it, it. We have been called to take up our cross daily. That, that's a strong challenge. Following Christ is hard, but it's worth it, because what does it lead to? Paul talks about his sufferings in no way compare to the greater glory of eternity in the kingdom of God. They don't even come close. So I I love what you're saying. You rack up total yards, but you have lost the game. You don't want to lose the game. Just like the guy who chases individual stats loses. Come on, what are we doing? You want to win. You want to win. Individual stats are are fleeting. Someone who has won a championship is typically way more excited about that championship than the guy who had awesome stats but never won a championship. Poor Charles Barkley. You think Charles Barkley wants a championship? Absolutely. You get the scoring title. That's right. Yeah. Um, And and again, this is what Paul says. I I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and and truly knowing intimately uh, who who he is and, and who he is in our lives and his character and what he's done for us, and then to be able to fellowship with him day in, day out, and, and to experience all that he is um, and the power of his resurrection in our life, in our day-to-day life now and for eternity, uh, that's, that's better than, than anything else. But, but again, it is, it's hard. There's the day-to-day stuff catches us. It, we get caught up in it. We start, we start looking at the numbers. We, we, we dwell on the numbers and we base our value on those numbers. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, we talked about our identity. Uh, we, we determine our identity on those numbers. Um, Yep. But ultimately, yeah, victory and winning is found in Christ, uh, both now and for eternity. So you can unpack that. I uh, would love to know your thoughts. If you want to jump in on that, uh, you can leave your comments uh, now or send me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. All right, Luke, tons of uh, of topics. And 
you know, one of the big storylines, I know some people are tired of it, but I, but I thought it was a, a wonderful night of football to watch New England take on Tom Brady and the Bucks. This was a, I, I thought, a, a well-done night all around. I, I thought the, the way that uh, Bill Belichick game-planned against Tom Brady was what I was intrigued by, and I thought he did a great job. I thought he rattled Brady to where, you know, Brady didn't make a ton of mistakes, but he wasn't in sync with the offense. The offense was not rolling like we know the Bucks offense can roll. Now, part of it was Gronk was out, but like the the, the throws were were missed time. They were high. They he he was getting pressure, um, and he didn't throw a touchdown. Tom Brady did not throw a touchdown, which I, I guess was the second time with Tampa Bay, uh, which is which is pretty crazy. So I think Bill Belichick he gets the credit for that. But the reality is the Bucks are a better team right now than the Bucks. Definitely. The Bucks are better than the Patriots, so they get, they got the win in a tight game. You know, it was a rainy game as well. And so, you know, that kick at the end was a little far. Uh, they probably should have gone for it. Um, but my other big takeaway from the night, and I've, I, I, I basically turned in preseason, that Mac Jones is the real deal. That, that he may not be, he's not going to be Tom Brady, but man, he knows, he knows how to play with poise and confidence and a command of the offense and at one point during the broadcast, they were talking about, you know, he doesn't have the same playbook that, that Brady had. Obviously, he's only a rookie, so he has less, you know, less to, to keep up with. But, but good for the Patriots to allow him to thrive in, yeah. in kind of who he is as a rookie. And I think that says a lot about them as well. Uh, but I thought the one play where he stepped to the right to avoid pressure, it was a simple step to the right. And, and that, to me, summarizes the confidence. Because a lot of young quarterbacks, they like to scramble. And sometimes it's, it's fine. It's good to scramble. But sometimes you just need to move a little to the right. And there's probably a spiritual discipline there too. But you just move a little to the right, and boom, you made a pass. So that was uh, – I thought that was that was pretty cool as well. What, what did you make of the night? Well, well, I think I'll start with that point. Totally – we could go spiritual route here but about being too quick to panic. But, I mean, that's the, that's the indictment on so many young quarterbacks at every level, college, high school, NFL – as soon as you feel pressure, they escape the pocket. When in reality, hey, you have a little bit more time. Just move a little bit and then step into a throw. So the fact that Mac Jones is showing that as a rookie against Tampa Bay, keep in mind, talking about an awesome defense. Very, very impressive. Also, I, I'm sure the great thing about New England playing Tampa is it leads to so much fan speculation because now it's, oh, wow, Belichick was really able to cause Brady some problems. How much <laughs> su- how much of their success was, was Belichick's, uh, was Belichick's uh, cause in the Brady and old Bill days? But um, it's really the value, the, the tremendous value of knowing a player. And true. Yes. And whether you, could, whether you coach them or in the amount of film you watch, your ability to study patterns. I mean, the Patriots had a – I don't know if advan- – I don't know how much Brady talked to the defensive coordinators about New England offense, but eh, – With a rookie. Eh. The, the Patriots knew, at least some in that organization, had years and years, perhaps decades with Brady. Oh, you're saying – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and new tendencies and were able to uh, take advantage of that. And, and that's really cool. That's really cool. The the tremendous value on knowing a player's tendencies. That's 
Yes, absolutely. So I, I thought it was like, it was almost best case scenario too, because the Bucks needed the win. They're fighting for another Super Bowl. That would have been a very disappointing loss because you're right. Yeah. It, it's clear who the more talented team is. Yes. And, and so, and I think new England fans, and I want to spend some time talking about this. New England fans probably were, were happy too, because they got to see Brady and they, they saw their team, you know, rough them up a little bit, make it hard on them, but they still got to see Brady win. It's hard to root against Brady. But why uh, were some so booing? Team in a rebuild. Why were some fans booing? Uh, that is unfathomable to me. A guy that brought you six Super Bowls. Most fans are dying for one Super Bowl, and you're booing him. All right, How all ungrateful! Right. Let me, let me. Okay, this is this is a good topic. So. I was wondering about this, just like everybody else, you know, what would it be? And I, I, I was in my group chat with my fantasy guys that I was like, there is no way anybody boos Tom Brady. Like Boston fans aren't that stupid to, to boo Tom Brady. But last night, when all the festivities began, I have to say, they played it perfectly. Because when Brady came out for warmups, they cheered him. Because, hey, there's the first time they see Brady. We love you, man. We miss you. You're the man. Okay? Then they did the video montage. And I think everybody cheered for him then, right before he came out kind of officially for the game. And then when he actually took the field in the Bucks jersey to go up against the Patriots defense, then they booed him. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Because at that point, now you're booing the Bucks. You're not really booing Brady, even though there's it's part of that, but it's not it's not genuine boos of of Brady, like the, the general consensus. That that would be my uh, takeaway on that. So, yeah, you're you're now rooting against him because you want your Patriots to win. Ultimately, that's that's who that's that's where you're at. Is that is that fair? Is that to me that that was so so? I I do agree with your logic. If I I don't know the Patriots fan base very well. If it was the same amount of boos as they give other teams, if it's increased boos for the opposing quarterback, then I fall back on how on earth could you do that? Because I'm putting myself in a similar situation, not similar, but if Dirk would have gone to another team and he came back, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I would have it in me to boo him. I just don't know. I could I could be upset at the opposing team winning, but to boo Dirk, oh, I don't know about that. So if Patriots fans are giving increased boo increased boos to Tom Brady, then I have I just can't comprehend that. But I will support your logic on if it's okay. This is what we do as fans at games. We boo the opposing team like this. Tom Brady, yes, we love you, but you're the opponent. You're the enemy. Therefore, you will be booed. I'm fine with that. I'm okay with that. But in an increased amount, I, I can't get behind that. Okay, that that's fair. And and I'll even say from my vantage point as a as a neutral fan watching that game last night, anytime I watch a game, you, you lean toward one team or the other that you want to see do well. Yeah. And I found myself conflicted because – Part of me appreciated watching Mac Jones as a rookie play as well as he did, going up, you know, having to fill in the shoes of, of Brady and, and then actually go head-to-head with him and play pretty well. 
And then the other part of me is wanting to see Brady stick it to the Patriots after you know he moves on from them. And the other part of me wanted to see Belichick, how can he stop Brady? Yeah. And then the other part of me was, well, the, the Patriots are the underdog. You know, the Bucs are the, the Super Bowl champ. And then lastly, I'm a Panthers fan, so I don't like the Bucs deep down. They're in our division. So, so all of these emotions and, and fandom <laughs> thoughts, and I'm just a neutral guy watching Sunday Night Football. That's also right. this morning because I had to go to bed. But, uh, but, you know, watching Sunday Night Football. So all that was taking place. And, and I think that those conflicting emotions are heightened, obviously, if you're a Patriots fan. But I do think that some of the, uh, the love that we feel, or I guess it, it's revealed how much you love your individual favorite team versus the players on the team. Because here in Carolina, there were a lot of Cam Newton fans that, that for a number of years became Panthers fans or hopped on the Panthers bandwagon because of Cam Newton. And then Cam left, and I'm not sure that all those fans have stuck around to be diehard Panthers fans. Yeah, and, and many of them continue to root for him in in New England uh, last year. So, so there's there's those types of people. And my guess is that there are Patriots fans that were really Tom Brady fans that became Patriots fans because of the winning and and all that. However, there's there are generations of fans in New England that just love they love the Drew Bledsoe teams. And the, the, who was it? Uh, Curtis Martin and all those guys before then. Um, the Bill Parcells teams. So they, they, they've been there. And so, yeah, they, they might be the ones more likely to boo Tom Brady last night. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think so. I think fan bases are made up of different levels and different perspectives. Um, you know, like I'm a diehard Panthers fan, but I loved Jake DeLome and Steve Smith. Those are my two favorite players. Uh, Mike Minner was also one of my favorite players, but those are my guys. And so when Steve Smith went to the Ravens, I, I can't stand the Ravens. So I couldn't root for the Ravens, but I still love Steve Smith, even though he's in another jersey. Yeah. Jake DeLome went to the Browns. The Browns stink. They did then. But I still love Jake DeLome. He's still my guy, even though I'm still a Panthers fan. So those okay. are all the emotions. Uh, so we, we, let's dive into this because this is fascinating. So one, I'll come in what you said earlier. I think any sports fan has recognized it's really impossible to watch a neutral game and remain neutral the entire time. At some point, any emotion kicks in. For me, it's typically the underdog. One, I always want to watch a good game. Even when I was playing, I remember freshman basketball in high school. (laughs) Uh, This may sound silly to a lot of people, but I used to hope if we were blowing a team out, I used to somehow hope that the other team would come back so that it could be a fun, close game. For some reason, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't really want to blow a team really. out. If freshman basketball, I don't want to blow a team out by 40. That's not fun. No, it's not. I want a good competitive game. I agree. So it, even with my teams, but especially in neutral games, I want a close game down to the wire, and I typically start rooting for the underdog. So in Tampa Bay in New England, I'm thinking, okay, New England's the underdog. What world am I in? I'm rooting for New England now as the underdog? Historically... That's not even close to being true. So I was pulling for the Patriots. That aside, this other topic. So I have, pl- I have a handful of friends who their sports fandom is centered around a player. Yep. And whatever Very player, common. Very common. whatever player that team goes to, that is the team they root for. And Le- so LeBron, we can thank LeBron for this. He's he's heightened. yes, yeah. So I have one friend who's centered around LeBron. I have another friend 
what Russell, Russell Westbrook is his guy. Whatever <laughs> team, different teams, whatever team Westbrook plays for, that's his team. Wow. Great. I'm understanding that more. Five years ago, I would have said that's absolute blasphemy. Now I'm understanding, okay, there's pe- there's more people than I thought that have a favorite player. They follow him around. For me, I, I can't, I am, it's my team. I'm a supporter of a team. And the fans, it's like the fans of that team are who stay. Players come and go. But the fans support that team. So if Dirk would have left the Mavs at the end of his career, he had a huge offer from Houston, I think, in Los Angeles, uh, Lakers, but he stayed with the Mavs, huge pay cut. I would have hoped for his success because he's the hero of Dallas. But would I have cheered for his team? No chance. No. I would have cheered for the Mavericks, like I always do. I am a team guy. And until within the past few years, I didn't realize that there are so many people who follow players and whoever they play for, that's their team. I personally do not do that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've got my diehard team. I'm a Panthers, Hornets, Duke, App State, Lakers fan. Those are my teams. But over the years, yeah, I was a big Peyton Manning fan, so I became a Colts fan and, and, and have stuck with them to a certain extent as well. Um, so I, I get it. I understand. And with fantasy football that, that has, you know, elevated that possibility too, where you root for individual players. Um, but I understand like for Patriots fans, like when you're watching the Super Bowl, they got to root for Tom Brady and the bucks over the chiefs. Like you want to see Brady. I mean, I guess some of them didn't want to see him win without wearing a new England Jersey. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough thing. I just, I wrote it down. I said, sports fandom, conflicting emotions. Yeah. That's what we deal with as fans. There's, it's just sometimes it's hard to, to to wrap our mind around um, how we really feel about certain situations, and and I've even changed my opinion to a certain extent. I, I love when guys finish their career with one team. They're drafted by one team, and then they finish with the one team. That is where I I lean toward. Yeah, but, like, but I understand guys going to other teams, and like I think it made sense for Tom Brady to want to go see what it would be like to go play for another franchise. Yeah. And to try something different, to mix it up, because he did want to play a lot longer than most. And I understand from the Patriots' perspective, they're thinking we don't know how many more years he's got, and they kind of misjudged it. And and same with Green Bay. Like you understand, it was just kind of a dumb pick with Bryce Love, but uh, but I understand the thought process behind that because they've done it before when they drafted Rodgers to replace Favre. So you understand it. Um, and if yeah, if Rodgers wants to keep playing, he's going to play somewhere else. I think it's just kind of part of the sports landscape. As fans, we have to understand that it's not as simple as a player just stays with the same franchise. There's too much business that goes on, uh, emotions, players wanting different situations, front offices wanting different situations. That's why for me as a fan, I'm here with my team. Whoever plays for the team, I'm supporting that team, whether they're dumpster fire or whether they're great. And that's what makes sports great because it's glorious experiencing both. <laughs> I think winning all the time, that eventually that I wouldn't want that. I love the the ability to show loyalty loyalty to a team when they're having down years. True. Of course, I still want to have some victory, but I don't know. There's just something so special about having your team. And rooting for them and staying loyal to them, no matter what happens. 
and, and, and enjoying the ride up. Enjoying the, the ride rise, up. And the, the community rise. with the fans as well, with yeah. the, the fans of the same team. Can you believe we're, we're making it back? We're back in the mix. Exactly. The journey of a team improving to championship level is so, so awesome. It is. It's rewarding. So, uh, all right. Speaking of losing, your uh, your Texas A and M uh, beloved they they lost over the weekend. You better take a take a little sip of your water to uh, <laughs> hold back the tears. I don't know. Um, but but here's here's what I wanted to, to bring up. I don't want a breakdown of the game. Sorry, I don't I don't think I don't know how many. I don't, I don't really care to, to give a breakdown either. No, you probably don't want to. But here's what I have to confess. So. You're a good buddy of mine, and I want to see you happy in life, right? Yeah. But I don't like Texas A&M. And so I was rooting against them. <laughs> I, I wanted to see them lose. I love upsets. And I'm not a big Jimbo Fisher guy, so I, I like to watch him lose. And, and so I started feeling bad about it. I started, I started wrestling with it a little bit because it, it also hit me. Uh, so I get a text from my uncle because uh, my cousin's at Penn State. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. But they were back at the game, a big game on, on Saturday night against uh, Indiana. Well, earlier this summer, I interviewed Tom Allen, from, the head coach of Indiana. So Great I'm an interview. Indiana fan now. I like Tom Allen. Yeah. And so I started thinking, I go, okay, what do I care more? I did an interview with Tom Allen. My uncle and my cousin, you know, they're blood relatives. Love those, those guys. Love yeah. the family. And I want them to have a wonderful experience, you know, watching their team win on Saturday night. But I don't like Penn State. I, I don't root for Penn State. Just, I went up there. I saw a game there. It was a fun atmosphere. I understand why people – but I, I don't really have any, like, loyalty or, or there's no reason for me to root for the actual football team. I mean, root for my family to have fun and enjoy their time. But I kind of like Indiana. I like the – they're the underdog. They, they lost. They got blown out by Penn State. But, but I started feeling bad about that too. <laughs> and so here I am rooting against – but I'm not rooting against the people – but but I kind of am, and so am I a bad my bad person? Am I a bad fan? How, how should I feel about this, Luke? So I just have to I have to come to you as a brother so, and acknowledge this. <laughs> I appreciate the confession. That goes a long way in uh, continuing to build up uh, our friendship. But I, my first question is: rooting against A and M seems so random from an App State fan. From your your geographic location, your ties to A and M. What is it? Was it just? Was it simply? I want to see an upset, or do you act consistently root against A and M? Yeah, it's more of a consistent root against them. And I guess I don't have I don't have a reason to root for them other than oh my buddy Luke went to Texas A and M. So are they? But is that enough for? I don't think that's enough. It, that doesn't. That doesn't. Buy me in to the to the program. I'm just missing the driving factor here. What would be the what, you think annoying fan base? Heard that well, plenty I, of time. I, you hate I the coach. Jimbo. I think it's Jimbo. Fair. I am not. I am not. I'm not, I'm not against that. People leaving after winning a championship at a program. That's what I don't understand. I can't wrap my mind around that. Yeah. yeah well, in this case, plenty of dollar bills. Yeah. So um, I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. So I will say just to make you feel more guilty um, for just my own entertainment. I actively rooted for App State against Miami and was texting was texting you about it while watching the game. So you can uh, just wrestle with that even more in your in your That's very nice of you your your spirit. But um, I'm I'm not offended. Uh, okay. I'm not mad. I think it's fine. You want to root against my team? Great. 
I, I will, on a more serious note, I don't get the offense. I don't get why fans get so offended. Like, hey, people are going to root against my team. I don't, I don't, I don't really care if you root for or against a and I love rooting for them because it's just fun to root for them. And I also will say, upset was a stretch. On paper, it's unranked versus 15, but upset, not so sure about that. <laughs> Mississippi State did have more total yards. So they had the total, they yards, had more and total they, yards, and they won. So, yes, uh, they did. Yes, they about, did. How about Mike Leach? He pops the up old air raid offense. It's back, baby. It is back. So, uh, yeah, number of upsets over the weekend, though. I mean, a lot, a lot of teams went down, number three, Oregon. And, you know, I think, yeah, despite all the upsets, we still got Alabama and Georgia. That's what, yeah. The inevitable is everyone's uh, just waiting. We all know the, who the two best. It's not, it, it's not even a debate. The two best teams are Georgia and Bama. Not even close. So we're just waiting for that game, which we might get it twice. SEC championship game. Yep. They will definitely meet. And then they will both go to the college football playoff. As of today, no question. Yeah. Back to your point about teams getting tired of winning or fans getting tired of winning. I don't know if Alabama fans do, but it's the same thing every year. How about that? I would feel guilty. Clemson fans are finally, finally getting on the other side because they've been riding a nice, nice little uh, time for a while. If I'm a Clemson fan, if you're a Clemson fan, are you concerned? Because it looks – it's not like, okay, we've been dominating, but we're hovering around like – 10th or 12th in the country this year it doesn't look good at all it's a sig- significant fall from grace i know it's 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 rough but it's still only one season i think people are making real drastic conclusions about clemson i, I would be careful with that they're still going to um, have a top five recruiting class and yeah. classes to come so you know our, our buddy david pollock was on pti on friday i was watching him and he was talking about that Clemson has to embrace the transfers a similar way that coach K embraced the one and dones, which I wish mm. he never did. But th- so you lose something though, because if you bring in transfers, maybe they they've experienced another culture. You don't get to mold them from day one. And, yeah. and there is an advantage to that. And so I understand why a coach wouldn't maybe want transfer players. There, there, there is some level of uh, yeah concern there, but but a lot of guys have left and transferred from Clemson. So that's a concern. You're losing guys and not gaining guys, and it's not you're not using the system to benefit you. How yeah. long can you survive that way if college football is shifting in that direction? That's so I, I think that's a, an interesting element of it. I don't know if the, the whole NIL, like do certain schools embrace that more than others? You get more of an opportunity to make money at these programs. That's going to change all these big schools as well. Definitely. Um, so, so to draw, again, so to draw too many conclusions based on this one year, uh, I would be careful. But the ACC, I, I live in ACC country, and not real strong, not a real strong conference. But uh, <laughs> you got some surprise teams. In, Clemson's in the Clemson's poor season is just even more evidence that Saban's reign at Bama will be never matched, never ever ever matched again. They didn't have a down. There was a couple years ago that they were. When, when were they not in the championship? I guess. I mean, there's been a couple times they haven't been in the championship. But have, been that, but... Haven't they made the college football playoff every year? That, Gosh, that was 2014. You know, Henry's not with us today. Um, That's right. But, but yeah, anyway, we Henry. overall, I mean, unbelievable. 
and, and they've embraced change. They're one of their linebackers ten, transfer from Tennessee was making plays all over the place against Ole Miss. Um, and now Saban goes 24 and 0 against assistants coaching against them. Ridiculous. That's a, that's a, add that to the, the stats of the day today. Ridiculous. I mean, that's, that's unreal. Hasn't even lost to Kirby smart and Kirby smart's got maybe the best team in the country. This might be the year. Could, could be the could year. Be a few we'll more see. months. A few more months. Mm. Um, all right. A couple other NFL thoughts as we, uh, as we wrap thing, things up. Actually, real quickly, I mentioned I watched PTI on Friday. So I've been watching, pardon the interruption, since basically day one. I remember big, the big Kornheiser guy. Uh, I like both of them. I'm not like, I'm actually not a, it's funny. I'm not like, oh, I'm a Wilbon guy or I'm a Kornheiser guy. I'm a PTI, the show guy. The, it's, it's unique, which makes it, it is. I am, I am all for all the elements of it. And so I've been watching it. So they've done 5,000 shows. I've probably seen wow. at least 3,000, if not more than that, <laughs> 4,000 probably. Um, the co- my college years, it was hard to be back by 5.30 and DVR wasn't as popular then. Ooh, but, but now, now you got DVR. the Amazon Fire Stick. So the Amazon Fire Stick's been going to work. That's right. You better believe it. So, uh, but anyway, they did a documentary on the 20 and the 20 year anniversary of the show and a little behind the scenes. It was awesome. It was, it was really fun to, to watch, even though mm. Mike Wilbon was a little, uh, salty with his language. So, uh, yeah, little, uh, parental advisory on that one. On the, old, on, on the old episodes? Really? No, 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 no. This was like, this was a documentary about the show. Oh, okay. So they're okay. talking to Wilbon and Kornheiser and asking them about the show and all Interesting. that. So overall, it was very good. I just want to give that little, little warning. <laughs> Jody, Jody like was listening. I was watching it and it wasn't, I was like, oh, yikes. Okay. <laughs> Jody and the two girls are out in the living room. <laughs> Prizes in the man cave, expletives left and right coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not, it's not great. These are not my guys. I mean, we know they yell every day on PTI, but normally it's a nice, you know, uh, the swearing is limited. But uh, <laughs> actually, sometimes sometimes they're a little little salty. But uh, but anyway, it's a, it's a great documentary. It just kind of reveals about that show. But what a tremendous run! So shout out to them on twenty years because I've been watching that since I was a, a kid. I, I remember the promos. They used to talk about them both being bald, and it, it was great. So anyway, um, all right. So yesterday in the NFL. Uh, so what do we still kind of believe after, after the week, right? Um, my Vikings, which I was doubting all along, I still doubt them. Okay. They, they won a cute little game last week. Snoozer game this week. Still out on the Vikings. I'm still out on the Vikings. I was, I was wrong about the bills. The bills are way better than I thought. Now they beat the Texans, but they are, they are the real deal. Their defense is unbelievable right now. They're just stopping teams, dominating, um, very impressive. The, the chiefs, we were a little worried last week. They're fine. They're going to be all right. They actually had the best offensive game of the year, apparently mm-hmm. based on certain numbers, uh, the way that they executed their, their offense. Um, and then the 49ers are a very interesting team tonight. Last, last week on the show, I questioned Kyle Shanahan as a head coach. And I'm, I'm wondering about the Niners. Are they going to go all in on Trey Lance? I still don't think he can throw the ball consistently enough, but he looked good. He was running the ball and, this next it? week, all five rookies are starting. I think oh, it seems they, like okay. it seems like Garoppolo is going to be out. Yeah. So which Trey Lance would get the start? Other than Matt Nagy, who still like goes back and forth with his depth chart. Like, dude, his recent comment is a healthy Andy Dalton will start. Okay, thanks, Nagy. I like Dalton. He's a fine guy, but it's just like enough is enough. Feels feels, feels look better. I mean, Dalton's, a, Dalton's a great guy. I'm I, I'm not anti Andy. No, I'm not either. It's not it has nothing to do with him. 
And poor Nick Foles still gets thrown under the bus. It's like he's our third quarterback. Just to be clear, Nick Foles is third on the depth chart. Yeah. Okay. Really, yeah, really, yeah. Doubling hey, what, down on that statement. Time to free Nick Foles, please. Seriously. Goodness. How did he end up third on the depth chart? He was Super right. Bowl winning quarterback a couple of years ago. That is not right. Maybe, uh, maybe New Orleans. I, I, as much as I thought Jameis Winston after that first game against Green Bay. What about Indy? Taking over for Wentz again. Oh, there we go. No, Indy. Indy won. Let's they go. Did. Saying, but Foles could go to Indy. Oh, you're saying he could go there. Uh, no, but how about how about the Colts getting a nice win over the Dolphins? The Dolphins are in trouble, too. I, I'm, I'm not sure Tua Tungavailoa is the answer there. They might end up being the team that, that does trade for Deshaun Watson because apparently Philadelphia's out. I would say the Panthers are out. Maybe the Broncos, but I, so that's a whole other saga to, to watch. Um, Washington with a nice win over the Falcons. Uh, not a nice win. I mean, it was a tight game. They pulled it out at the end. Uh, so they're now at two and two. So they're still kind of in the mix. I, I rode off the Giants, and, and we're missing Henry today uh, to talk about their big win. Uh, but that, that got into overtime. The key for them is Saquon. I mean, he's got to be healthy, run the ball well. So he, he was better. Uh, but Daniel Jones leading the way with 402 yards. So that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. But, yeah. uh, but anyway, those are just a few, few quick thoughts. And the Packers roll in with the Steelers still in trouble. And I, I was watching a little get up with those guys arguing about what to do. Do you bench Ben Roethlisberger? I, there, maybe Nick Foles should go there. How about that? Interesting. You got weapons. They, they got to mix it. They got to do something different. I, I don't know. It was funny because early in the game, even Romo was getting a little excited because uh, – Pittsburgh scored early and, and Roethlisberger looked okay. That that faded very fast, and then yeah. the Packers ran away with it. I mean, the pa- Pittsburgh's in serious danger of Tomlin's first losing season. One and three, yeah, doesn't look good. We'll see. I mean, how about the Jets winning? How awesome is that? It's, I, I don't like the Jets. I don't want that. I wanted the Titans to win. I'm glad they won. <laughs> uh, trying to obviously, we talked about the Cardinals. They look really, really good. Tonight's game, Raiders-Chargers. This is a massive game. It really is. Can the Raiders... Big deal. Can the Raiders remain undefeated, be the only undefeated team with Arizona? Or can the Chargers step up? If the Chargers win tonight, that's a really good 3-1 record with their only loss against Dallas. Yes. The Chargers are the real deal. So I'm going into this game thinking... They're the team to beat, and and they'll kind of hush some of the the hype on on the Raiders there. But I can't wait to watch Carver's Herbert. Carver's Herbert's going to be awesome. So first time uh, this season, I'll be watching the actual broadcast. The Manning brothers are not on tonight, which is devastating. So I actually watched the Manning brothers broadcast for the Cowboys game last week. Oh, you did? So it was great. I watched too. I, I liked it because... They talked a lot of awesome X's and O's. I think when they don't have a guest, they get it's either a good story or they get really nerdy about the X's and O's, and that's really awesome to me. But maybe if, I so I haven't heard any of Lewis Riddick this season. It's been all Manning Brothers for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. So I'll be uh, flipping over. But this game is at least intriguing enough for me to still still yeah, watch yeah. football. Yep. So it should be good. So, I, yeah, I'll take the, the Chargers uh, to, to win that. But I'm a big Austin Eckler guy. I need him in fantasy. So hopefully Eckler has a big, big oh. night. Yeah. I played a guy in fantasy this week. Over 200 points. Five players in the 30s. Five. 
every one of his every other player could have could have thrown up zero points. Unbelievable. Yeah. He had That's multiple players with 38. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Come on. I lost. I saw two you, you took a loss to uh. Oh, who'd you lose to? I was looking through the scores. Well, thanks to Cordero Patterson, who scored three touchdowns. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, you he lost to Henry. That's right. You lost to Henry. Oh, did Henry get me? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was Henry. All right. Well, let's not bring that up. We're running out of time. We got to go. <laughs> okay. go get out of here. Okay. It's You're rude against a and I can't talk about fantasy. Right. What's That's going right. on here? That's right. Well, check out the uh, Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast we do on Tuesdays. So uh, we'll, we'll dive into all the, the fantasy topics. So you can subscribe to that uh, in uh, anywhere you find podcasts. Just search Fantasy Football Fellowship. Uh, it's also in the Unpacking It feed as well. Great job out of Luke. Fun show once again. Uh, despite Actually, I fixed my microphone. It was a, it was a, a struggle early, but, but we made it through. So we're good yeah. to go. Your in-game adjustments were, were quite incredible in this episode. That's right. It's like those coaches, you know, the coaches on the sideline that have trouble with their microphone. They're monkeying around and they, they get it. They get it right. Yeah. So uh, but thanks for everybody listening today. Hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, we'll talk to you Monday here on the Unpacking It live podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together again today's unpack this topic was all about we, we we win in christ it's not about all the other stuff in the world it's not about total yards it's about winning winning with him finding victory in christ and, and so be encouraged today let's uh let's chase hard after him follow him closely live for him and uh and know him intimately so uh so be encouraged god loves you and we'll uh we'll talk to you next time thanks for the support it's unpacking it great to be with you For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.